Well, hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here, and welcome to the All Things Podcast, where we gather once a week to hear real life stories about how God works all things together for good, because he is always faithful and always good. Well, hey, before we get this party started, I have some exciting news for you. If you're ready to get your book in front of an entirely new and fast-growing market, an audiobook would be perfect for you. Having an audiobook gives you the opportunity to get your book in front of more people while giving the listener a new way to hear your story in an intimate way. An estimated 131 million people listen to an audiobook in 2021. And do you know that the people that listen to audiobooks don't read print books? They only listen to audiobooks. So it's a whole new market for you to take advantage of. Leverage the opportunity of getting your book in front of millions of people by having an audiobook today. We can help you create one. Visit redemptionpressaudio.com for our introductory special. Welcome to today's episode of the All Things Podcast. I am super excited to introduce you to new Redemption Press author, Sonia Anderson, and her brand new book, The Covenant Story, Trusting the Love of a Faithful God. And let me just say, you are going to love this episode. Let me give her a proper introduction. Sonia Lee Anderson is an educator, speaker, and Bible teacher whose life was radically changed when she encountered the unconditional and faithful love of her covenant-keeping God. She lives in Princeton, Minnesota with her husband, Kyle. You can find Sonia's blog, Seeking God Through Story, at sonialeeanderson.com and you'll find that down in the show notes. So let's roll that conversation. Well, Sonia Anderson, so good to have you with us today. Welcome to the All Things Podcast. Thank you, Athena. I'm really happy to be here. Yes. So before we jump into talking about your new book, I would love to have our listeners get a sneak peek into your life and how God works, how he loves to work all things together for good, even when it doesn't look like he could do that. So I would just give you the digital stage right now to share your favorite Romans 8.28 story. Okay, well... You know, I think we probably have those stories that we could tell every day, but the one that I'd love to share today is directly related to um, just writing my book. And so I will share a story that actually took place a couple of decades ago. I was in my early 30s when um, something happened that was so life-changing and perspective-changing. And for a long time, I hardly knew how to describe it. Um, But just to give a little bit of backstory about my own faith journey, I grew up from 
early childhood, really being aware of God and really sincerely just being drawn to him. I, I loved going to church. I grew up going to a very traditional liturgical church, but um, even as a child, just loved being there. And I, I just um, was very devoted to God and just wanting to know him. And then when I was about 12 years old, I went to a Bible camp for the first time. And I like to say that's where I fell in love with Jesus. I think I probably heard a very clear gospel presentation and I was just all in. And so through my teenage years, my um, college years, my young adulthood, I really was very committed to my faith and just to following Jesus. So it was kind of unexpected that in my 30s, something would happen that really just shook my um, my spiritual world. And my husband and I at that time were parenting three little boys, and we had fairly recently moved from the suburbs of Chicago back to our home state of Minnesota. And it took us a while to settle in a new church home in Illinois. We had been involved in a church that we really loved. And, and so after a time, we, we found the church that would eventually be our church home for 23 years and um, where I would eventually work on staff. But in those early days, we were looking for ways that we could get plugged in and we could get to know some people and friends of ours invited us to be a part of their small group. And we um, very gladly uh, accepted that invitation. The other couples in the group were young parents like we were, and we um, felt a, a pretty instant connection with them and really just enjoyed the fellowship. We had been with this group for about six months when the leaders who were our friends invited us to dinner. Um, they invited us to meet them at a restaurant. And we thought that evening would just be some regular fellowship. And, and at, at the start it was, um, but uh, partway through dinner, the, the conversation um, took on a more serious tone and um, it turned out that our friends had invited us to dinner to have um, kind of a heart to heart with us. And long story short, the, the leaders had, um, had been talking to some of the other people in our small group and um, there had been some complaints from the small group members about my husband and me. And um, the complaints were kind of to the, um, to the effect of us being um, kind of intimidating in the group, that we were uh, kind of insensitive to some of the, the conversations and the, and the needs of the people in the group, and that we came off as being arrogant and, and um, self-righteous. And the conversation was devastating to me. I was just crushed and um, sat in that restaurant that night and just sobbed the whole time. I, I don't remember um, anything that I was able to say in response because I was just crying and, and just so heartbroken. And for, for several days, just processing what we had heard. And 
processing it with my husband. Um, fortunately, he was in it with me. And he kind of thought that maybe it was we were taking it too seriously or um, maybe it wasn't such a big deal. But Athena, I knew that what they had said had truth to it. And, and I knew because probably since I was a teenager, I had been confessing this sin of pride. And telling my story now, I like to say that, that through that experience, God revealed my peas. I had been a perfectionist, a people pleaser, and um, kind of a performer. And, and really at the heart of it was, was pride. And God used this experience to, to reveal that in my life. So a few days after the confrontation, I was, I still can remember, I was in my bedroom. I was sitting on my bed. I was weeping and I cried out to God and I said to him, what do you want me to do? And I heard his answer. First, I felt his presence. I could almost feel his hand, his touch on my shoulder. And I felt like he said, stay. And that was it. Whoa. And I said, okay, I'll stay. But I want you to give me what I've been missing. Yeah. And almost overnight, I began to experience an absolute miracle. God just began to lavish me with his love for me and show me how much he cherished me. And I entered a season that lasted several years where I just felt like I was almost constantly just worshiping day and night. Like wow. I would wake up in the morning and I felt like I had been with God all night long and most mornings I would wake up with a praise song going through my head and it was almost like I would wake up anticipating what the song would be. And so God just, he, he transformed my view of who I was to him through this experience. And then as kind of a, um, a secondary, uh, just, um, benefit, I, I began to just be so hungry for my Bible and just being in God's word. And I started to just read and read and read. I was parenting little children. I was working part-time. And honestly, Athena, to this day, I say it, it was like loaves and fish. God just multiplied my time and just gave me so much time to linger with him and to spend with him. And so as, as time, um, went and I spent time just in the word, I, I was struggling to explain what had happened to me because people would say, well, maybe you were born again, but I knew like I had been so in love with Jesus since I was a child and really, truly devoted. But this experience just like was night and day, like a before and after experience in my faith walk. And so I started to just kind of um, try to find language to describe what, what I had experienced. And, and as I just spent more and more time in the word and, and, and just um, 
kind of putting some of the pieces together, I remember I was, I was, I was in a class and I heard, I think it was just the word covenant. And it was like the light went on. And I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit. It probably was the Holy Spirit who was just telling me that that's going to be the word that's going to tell your story. And so I started to just look into what that meant. And that is, is, um, that was the very, very beginning, the first seed of the book that I would eventually write. And to think that all came out of a rebuke. I mean, basically that yes. was a devastating and, rebuke that oh, but blindsided was, you. It sounds I, like I have it. it at the same time, I have I have thanked my friends for their honesty, yeah. for the courage that it took yeah. for them to um, to say those things. And also, I'm just so grateful that God led me to stay instead yes. of to run from it, because yes. my response as a perfectionist, a people pleaser would have been to just um, hide, would have been right. to I mean, I mean, we I, the thought went through my head. Should we start over at a new church with a new small group? You know, just um, the temptation to run was was definitely there. And mm -hmm. and and he knew what what I needed when he told me to stay. I love that. And that was that took some real courage for you to stay and be willing to grow in that and, you know, face the uncomfortable, the, the awkwardness, all of those things that pride, of course, would, would want you to run. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> I honestly don't remember any of that awkwardness because I think what happened is that <laughs> my pride was so quickly broken through that mm. experience. And, and God was so gracious mm. in his response to me that I just, um, I just felt like I was, I was just living in his grace at that point. Wow. What a great, I love, I had no idea that there was all that backstory to um, right? writing the book. Wow. <laughs> I love that. So that's a great segue into my first question. Um, covenant love is usually seen as something for the Old Testament what triggered your understanding of it as something pertinent to believers today is I, I believe that's what inspired you to write the book, but I'd love to hear how, you know, that kind of clicked with you. Yes. Well, like I said, um, I felt like the Holy spirit just gave me that word covenant. And I started to really look into um, what covenant was in scripture and from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And really, the more I studied it, the more I recognized that it told a story. And it was a story that I had entered. And it was a story that gave language to my own experience. And I initially was just intrigued by how this gave me such a different lens for reading the Bible. I think I grew up really um, seeing the Bible as 
sort of a guidebook for mm -hmm. believers and uh, uh, it, it gave us our instructions, it gave us our rules, it, it, it told us what we needed to do to be good Christians and to follow God. And I think I saw the stories in the Bible as the examples or the illustrations of, of what that looked like. And what I realized is I really started to study covenant and specifically the instances of covenant and how God engaged with people through his covenant promises from the Old Testament to the New Testament, what I saw was that it was really a story about people who were invited into this incredibly special relationship with God, but could never be faithful. And then to, to see the story unfold in the New Testament and to see um, in in my uh, my words that I that I repeat so often that Jesus does for us what we could couldn't possibly do for ourselves. Jesus keeps the covenant for us, and so um, that was. And you asked specifically about covenant love, which I also did a lot of study on the Hebrew word hesed, which is um, I used in my book the the English Standard Version translated in that version as steadfast love. Other translations will, will say um, loving kindness or faithful love. And it is really, it's, it's God's persevering love that is very tied to covenant. It, they often are, um, are in the same context. And it's, it's the love that comes out of the, the passage from Exodus, Exodus 34, 6, um, where God is revealing himself to Moses as Yahweh. He says, um, I am Yahweh, Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord, a God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And that mm. steadfast love is his hesed. And that I, I believe is his covenant love. Wow. So you touch briefly on the adoption of your two sons as an example of covenant love and relationship, which is a fascinating thought. Can you expand on that for us? Sure. I, um, so we, we adopted two of our five sons when they were in their early teens, um, Felipe and Jimmy, and it wasn't long before it occurred to Kyle, my husband and I, that adoption was a lot more similar to marriage than it really was to, um, to giving birth to children. Right. We were, we were really making um, a very intentional commitment. There were, there were vows involved. Um, there were promises that were made and we were, we were making a co commitment to be a part of these boys' lives forever, for the rest of their lives. Um, very much like when we make our wedding vows and we're saying that I am, am with you in it for the rest of my life. Yeah. And so I love that, um, just that picture of how I use the word, we're, we're entangled with each other. <laughs> we, we've chosen to be entangled with each other. And um, 
I feel like that's what God chose to do when he entered into relationship with people um, and beginning in the garden. But just as the story unfolds, he so, um, he's so determined that he's going to be entangled with people. And it's, it's kind of a, a shocking um, decision for him yeah. to make, you know, yeah. why, why, why would he do that? And it, and it just, um, it, it just is such a testimony to how much he, his, his purpose is to pursue us with that covenant love. And it's amazing because people are messy and he knew that going in and he did it anyway. Absolutely. <sighs> Absolutely. And, um, Yes, we have we have family stories, but we also have our own personal stories of, of how true that is. And then just to to read the story of the Bible and to see how how truly messy um, it becomes. One of the passages that I share or in the book is from Ezekiel chapter 16, when um, the, the prophet Ezekiel describes God as the husband, um, and and he and he talks about the unfaithful bride, and it's this incredibly dramatic and um, poignant story of how God rescues this. Um, he rescues this child. And then he just lavishes her with his love and, and it's a love story, but then it's just this awful story of how she just um, squanders all of it. And um, I mean, much like a prodigal son story, it just is, is this story of God's relentless pursuit of um, messy people. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, I, this is kind of an interesting question. How do legalism and liberalism play out when you look at the Christian life through the lens of the New Covenant? I actually really love that question. I feel so, um, I think this is one of my areas of passion is just how understanding our relationship with God through the new covenant and what Jesus has done for us through the, through the new covenant that he um, bought for us through his blood. And then um, it really is a, is a new covenant in the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is able to make things possible that were never possible in the old covenant, which was the covenant that was um, the law covenant. And the, um, the, the commands that were given to Moses are actually called the, the law of the covenant or the, the book of the covenant. And um, Paul specifically talks about the new covenant as being the covenant of the spirit. So there, um, there are verses that talk about how instead of the, the, the law being written on stone, the law is written on human hearts. And it's, it's executed not in our own goodness or not in our own self-effort, but it's, it's actually executed by surrender to Jesus 
doing for us what we could never do for ourselves and his Holy Spirit empowering us for holiness. So to answer your question, I just think it is um, perspective changing when we understand that because it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit doing, empowering me for holiness, that sin is not inevitable, that that we we are given the possibility of living in this relationship with God and and for him to be doing in and through us what he desires for us to be doing in the world. So um, for example, I mean, I think the the Jesus and Paul and and John and and others all agreed that the whole law could be summed up as love. And the more we, the, the more you understand what love really is, I mean, love is, love is beyond us. Love is real love (laughs) is, is impossible. And, and what I'm talking about is, is a sacrificial love. I, I used to have, um, a quote hanging on my bulletin board in my church office that was Christine Kane. And she said, there is only one love language. It's called die to self. And I would look at that and just think (laughs) that it's impossible. I I'm trying, but I dying to self, if that's what love is, is something that I can't do in my own efforts, but it's something that is miraculously possible. I actually can be the very love of God. Mm. when I am empowered by the Holy Spirit being that law for me. So something that I, that I love saying to um, kids when I'm teaching them, I'll say something like this. I can wake up in the morning and I can think today, I know I'm going to sin and I'm glad Jesus forgives me. And, and that's a true statement. I don't disagree with that, but then I'll say to them, but I can also wake up in the morning and I can say today, I know Jesus can keep me from sinning. And that's a different perspective. Mm -hmm. I think that we, um, when, when we present sin as an inevitability, we either lead people to frustration and defeat, or we lead them to, um, just a license to keep wide, doing what they're already doing. Wide road. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so good. So it uh, just, when you come at it from the perspective of, you know, lead me not into temptation today, Lord, <laughs> help me, you know, by your spirit, yes. help me to walk um, pure. and. So it's that's you're setting the expectation as opposed yes. to, hey, I'm a sinner. I'm always going to be a sinner. I know I'm going to sin. So, hey, he forgave me. I love yes. that focusing more on what he what he came to give us. One of the passages that was a key for me in understanding the covenant story is um, from Jeremiah chapter 31. Can, can I read a passage mm-hmm. for you? 
This is Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 to 34. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. And that passage is, um, is, is repeated in Hebrews. The author of Hebrews mm. loves this theme of covenant. And, um, and, and in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 15 through 16, the author writes, and the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us for after saying, this is the covenant I will make with them after these days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Mm. So we have the law imprinted on us yeah. and the, the Holy Spirit empowering us to, to, to keep that law. And I think that that law looks a lot like the fruit of the Holy Spirit in yep. our lives. Yeah. It's, it's, it comes down to um, his love and his joy, peace, mm. patience, and kindness. And, and, um, those fruits born out in our lives then become our holiness. Amen. So, so good. I, I wish we had another hour to keep going, but we are going to wrap up today. So if we have some people listening and they're saying, okay, I want to connect with this woman. I love what she's doing and I want to find her online, social media, your website. What's the best way for them to do that? Yes. So my website is sonialeeanderson.com. And it is my, it's, that is my author name as well. So um, the covenant story, uh, you'll, you'll find Sonia Lee Anderson on the cover. And the, the trick there is to know how to spell Sonia and Lee. So I'll spell that for you. It's Sonia, S-O-N-Y-A. Lee is L-E-I-G-H. Anderson is A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N. <laughs> so SonyaLeeAnderson.com. I'm also on Facebook. My author page is Sonia Lee Anderson. My personal page is just Sonia Anderson. And then on Instagram, I am Sonia.Lee.A. Perfect. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. And for just sharing your story and how uh, it has just, wow, I love to see God work and make a life change that is profound and affects others. And I just am excited to see what he is going to do with this message in the book. So thank you again so much for being with us today. It's been an absolute delight. Thank you, Athena, and thank you for being a part of this journey with me. Amen. Well, thanks so much for joining us today for the All Things Podcast, brought to you by Romans 828 Bookstore and Redemption Press. 
If today's episode encouraged you, we would love to have you share it with your friends on social media and maybe even leave a review on Apple. That will help the algorithms get us up higher to the top when people are searching for podcasts that can bring them hope and encouragement. So thanks again for joining us today. And I look forward to seeing you again next week. Bye for now.